The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Saturday. And uh, I hope it's a safe Saturday to our friends in the Coastal Bend region of Texas and in Victoria, Corpus Christi, all the way up to Houston, Galveston. Places I have been have friends and relatives. I worry about you and will worry about you for the next week. As we wake up, it's still dark here, just starting to get light in the uh, in the Delaware woods here in the constitutionally protected free speech bunker. Today, we're worried. Worried about uh, those millions in the path of this horrible storm. And yet there is a, a ton of other stuff going on today. But you know that we here don't have reporters sitting out in the middle of the street as debris goes blowing by, risking their lives to try and get a video clip. But we hope they're all safe. It's just after five in in Texas where this storm is is still it hit as a category three last night around 10 o'clock East Coast time. It's down to a category one, which everybody says, well, it's a category one. I can probably go out now. No, you can't. Don't be a dope. 90 mile an hour winds are not to be fooled with. I've been through, uh, I think, five hurricanes at last count. They are not to be messed with. But our friends in the, uh, in the tropical storm ra- area ranges from west of San Antonio, north to Austin, east to uh, above Houston. I think our friends in the junk gypsy world are actually in the path of some tropical storm. But this thing's going to park right now, right where it is, somewhere between, uh, I think it's uh, Victoria and Rockport, Texas. <clears throat> And it's going to just dump rain. So to all of you who have friends and family, say a prayer. If you're so inclined, the Red Cross, Mercury One, other, uh, other charities are going to need help. This is, um, this is disturbing. But also at the same time, stuff is going on. You could not have asked for a busier news night. If you want to join in on any of the festivities today, by the way. 888-900-3393, So in the middle of all this, gee, nothing newsy happened, did it? No, not too much. North Korea lit three extra-large bottle rockets and fired them yesterday, one of which kind of blew up as it was launching. The other two... Didn't go very far, but still, it's disturbing enough that this jack wagon is, is um, trying to get more attention. No official military response from us. Japan wasn't too worried about it because they said basically, meh, bottle rockets. I know, I, I, I diminished them. But these weren't ICBMs, these were missiles. 
and pretty much uh, failure and anemic is how I would describe them. The first one failed as it blew up pretty much on the pad, and the other two didn't go too far before falling into the water. Again, no threat to Japan. South Korea, not happy, of course. But now we have to worry about that idiot doing something stupid again. And then the word comes out of the White House that has lit up. Well, there's three stories that came out of the White House last night. Where do we go? Where do we spin the wheel on the stories out of the White House? There is um, palpable anger over one, palpable celebration over another, and, uh, well, I guess screaming hair on fire, panic over one of the others. You want to guess what they are? Yeah, we'll get into that. The pardon of Sheriff Arpaio was expected. The pardon that Donald Trump issued yesterday to Arizona Sheriff Joe Arpaio, not a surprise to anybody. So why is everyone over the, over the top of the wall screaming about this now? Why now? Why now? Why, 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 have you, why didn't you freak out when you knew it was coming? That's what I want to know. The Sheriff Arpaio pardon from President Trump, again, not a surprise. Here's a guy who stood by the president when he was a candidate. Here's a guy who uh, actually stood up and said, yeah, okay, we're going we're gonna to support the president. But um, Joe Arpaio... I believe, was a a tough guy who was trying to follow the law. And uh, he was uh, like that very difficult teacher you had. He admitted that uh, despite a court order telling him to stop these controversial raids that were looking for people here illegally, uh, that, that he kept doing it for over a year. And he, he claimed in the, in the court that he was not properly uh, explained. It was not properly explained to him the importance of the court order. So he faced uh, prison time. Now he's 85 years old. And the president gave him the pardon. But um, this, is, this is what makes me laugh. And when I say laugh, I mean angry. Nancy Pelosi, in response to the pardon, tweeted, Pardon of fellow birther Arpaio makes mockery of rule of law and says communities of color can be targeted and abused with total impunity. Interesting that Nancy Pelosi has a problem with the rule of law. Now, not when people are flooding her state, her district, tapping the resources of the taxpayers in California. Now she has a problem with rule of law. Now she wants the law enforced or the ruling that was put upon Sheriff Arpaio. Now she wants to get involved. And yet she can't find the time or the will to do anything in her own region. 
all politics is local. Seriously, that's one of the great axioms of all time. All politics is local. I wish Nancy Pelosi would understand that. I wish the voters in Nancy Pelosi's district would understand that. That's what I don't get. Was Arpaio a bad guy? No. Did he overextend on this case? Yeah, it seems that way. He was ordered to stop these raids a year earlier. He believed that that rounding up or having these patrols meant to round up people here illegally was part of his job. And so a judge, a U.S. district judge, found him guilty of criminal contempt. In the ruling, Judge Susan Bolton wrote, not only did defendant abdicate responsibility, he announced to the world and to his subordinates that he was going to continue business as usual no matter who said otherwise. Now, I think Arpaio dug in against the court, and I think the court decided to dig in against Arpaio. It kind of feels that way, right? After serving six terms as sheriff, Arpaio lost his job in, in September in the election. He faced six months in prison. The sentencing was supposed to come up October 5th. And it was generally accepted that because he was 85, Arpaio was not going to be sentenced any time. He'd probably, probably be given a suspended sentence. But the president decided that, uh, that he was going to pardon the guy who supported him all during the campaign. This one will be brought up a lot in future days especially as we deal with the issue that's continuing to be dealt with here, and that's the uh, issue of and accusations of racism if you just happen to have an R after your name or if you are listed as a conservative somewhere. So uh, don't be surprised if this one gets... Once, once the hurricane goes away, this one and um, the trans story, which we will get into appear to be massive stories. I think these are going to be very big stories. Now, uh, I don't know where you stand on the Sheriff Arpaio thing. Of course, the law should be followed. If you are the law and order sheriff, you are supposed to enforce the law, not interpret the law. And unfortunately, that's kind of what Arpaio was doing in some cases. And when the judge said cut it out, you kind of... You kind of hope he would have cut it out for his own sake. But maybe when you get to be in your, your early 80s, you don't care. You're just going to get out there. If you want to weigh in on Arpaio, I'll, I'll happily hear. I, I know that he had support. Interesting, interesting that Arpaio would have support from a couple of different places. I believe... Didn't, didn't Charles Barkley have some nice things to say about Sheriff Arpaio after Barkley spent some time in, uh, in the sheriff's custody? I think so. I'm going to try and look that up during the break because I, I would like to know. I, I believe that Barkley had to spend a little time in custody after he... I, was it... Uh, I don't want to misspeak. 
I have to look up exactly what his his uh, problem was. But Barkley had, I thought he had good things to say about, yeah, he spent three days in 2009 in, um, in the tent city where they had to wear the pink underwear. And um, the sheriff was quoted on CNN as saying, he's taken his medicine. So I don't, I don't think this is a, a guy who's going to be remembered for this. I think Arpaio is going to be long remembered as a law and order guy. Unfortunately, this will be something that is uh, talked about for many, many days to come. Interesting, though, uh, Barkley spent three days in, a, in one of Arpaio's tents. It hasn't hurt his career. As a matter of fact, Barkley's career is, is doing quite well. He spent all of 36 hours in jail. Oh, goodness. We have much to, uh, much to discuss today, as I said. We, we will update on any breaking news out of the hurricanes. Uh, there's been only speculation on, on estimates of damage and slight video releases of some of the damage. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be awful. Let's just hope the people are, are safe and sound. And to all of our friends there, I know uh, I don't have my buddies are not listening now. They are busy uh, taking cover, hunkering down and waiting to be able to wake up and see if and when they'll get power or they'll be able to put their homes back together. But the rain will continue for several days. From uh, Corpus Christi all the way up to Houston and possibly towards New Orleans. So uh, we'll deal with that. I also have a vital question of the day I have posted on the, on the Twitter this morning because today is National Dog Day. We have a dog, but I have an interesting statement that I'm going to make about pets that's going to tick people off. It's National Dog Day. Not exactly a holiday that uh, we stop and and tell everybody, take the day off, it's National Dog Day. No, it's, it's National Dog Day. It's kind of just a, a crazy fake holiday that somebody created. But in this case, in the case of National Dog Day and the vital question of the day, I want to know. Are you a dog person? A cat person? Both? Or neither? Are you a dog person? A cat person? Both or neither. I know, I'm nosy. It's posted now. Go to Twitter. Stuntbrain is my Twitter handle. At Stuntbrain, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. Vote. Tell me. And we'll be right back on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. It is a Saturday morning on the Blaze Radio Network, and we are just getting a little daylight here in the northeast in Delaware, and parts of Texas are still in darkness. Well, most of Texas. 
Still in darkness as Hurricane Harvey roared ashore last night. And it's going to park itself pretty much right now in the... Uh, in the area along the, the the area they call the coastal bend, going to dump buckets of water, a lot of water. So if you're um, if you're a faith person, you might say a prayer and keep the Texas people in your prayers. A lot of good folks in Texas. I have folks, friends on both sides of the aisle in Texas. Uh, one of the one of the wilder things that I witnessed. On ABC News, they had the the satellite truck from the local affiliate lost the dish on top of the truck. You know how they have those broadcast trucks with the uplink that sends the picture up to the bird so they can get the feed? They have to park it somewhere where they have a clear shot at the sky and they can shoot that up to a, a satellite. Well, last night they had a little bit of a problem in, in Corpus. Now, I want to show you just to give you a sense of how powerful the winds were overnight. This is the satellite truck of our affiliate KIII here in Corpus Christi. Now, it's missing something. Hmm? The satellite. The dish. It, it flew off in the middle of the night, um, and we're not quite sure where it went. Brianna Whitney is, is the local reporter. This is her truck. I'm sure yeah. they're not going to make you pay for it, well, right? I hope not. Well, we thought the tree was our biggest concern. That's where the truck was parked. And when we were trying to move that, we look up and we don't have a dish. Do you have any idea where it is? Nope, none. All we've seen is that metal that was flying around here. Uh, it could be in the water by now. I have a feeling. I have an idea that uh, if you notice the language she used, if you notice what she said, she said, we were parked over there under a tree, and then we were getting ready to move the truck, and we looked up, and the dish was gone. Huh. You see, I, I'm just guessing. I'm betting that that truck was parked near the tree, and a branch probably snapped off the dish when they weren't looking. It wasn't the wind, and this is a, this is a great cover for the screw-up of the driver and the crew. Uh, good, I good idea. Uh, I have some other clips that uh, will play you from, from Hurricane Harvey. There's some other great moments that are out there already. And, and luckily, uh, nobody in the news reporting area has been hurt. But this storm is out there, and I'm sure there are going to be injuries. And unfortunately, there will probably be some casualties. We haven't heard any yet. But it's just a sunrise. When we get back, as we're about to take a break, we also have to talk about Sebastian Gorka. We have to talk about the trans ban that the president signed yesterday and some really dumb stories. And we'll talk, of course, about the fact that it's National Dog Day. And, and I want to know. I'm curious. Are you a dog person, a cat person, both or neither? Go to Twitter and vote in this morning's vital question. And then meet me back here. We'll have a little fun today, too. Come on. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Mm-hmm. Happy Saturday. It's Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network, comfortably ensconced in the uh, constitutionally protected, constitutionally mandated free speech bunker here in the woods of Arden, Delaware, the first state. That's right, the first state. Anybody else wonder? We may not be big, but we were first. The first state. This little small wonder of a state, which uh, was not my home. I was a child of Illinois. The city of Chicago, to be specific. But now, after living several decades in Texas and New York, Delaware is home for the moment. You never know where we'll end up next. I Actually, yeah, every somebody asked me, don't you miss Texas? I said, only every single day, only every single month, only every single paycheck when I see the taxes we have to pay, because there is a state income tax here. Texas does not have one. Many states don't have one. Not, not enough, but Texas is the one that I first became aware of what a wonderful bonus it is to live and work in a state without an income tax. And then I went to New York where there's not only a federal tax, but a state tax and a city tax. And then everything else is extra expensive. So do I miss Texas? Yes, I miss the freedom of Texas. I miss the people. Texas people, every state has its own individual, unique wonderfulness. Texas just seemed to have a whole bunch of it. And I had a good time in Texas. And yes, I was unsupervised for most of that time. I recommend everyone enjoy their unsupervised time. Just putting that out there. Uh, Phones are open this morning early. The Dallas crew is is on the watch. Triple eight nine hundred three. Yeah, triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One day, I accidentally gave out my cell phone <laughs> number, and uh, well, thank God, thank God we <laughs> we were able to shut that down quickly. Speaking of free speech, as we are coming to you today live from the constitutionally protected free speech bunker here in the woods of Arden, Delaware. Uh, Free speech is something that uh, I absolutely will fight for. And I thought it was really encouraging to see that a recent survey, I think it was a, a Pew survey, showed that Americans believe free speech is worth fighting for. A majority of you believe free speech is worth fighting for really makes me happy to see that because I know I would stand up and fight for free speech. We have to be able to have opinions and I have to be able to fight for uh, free speech, especially the speech that I disagree with. I'm not going to protect or fight for anyone who's up there saying we have to violently overthrow the government, but I am going to protect and defend the rights of people to have a differing opinion so we can have a dialogue on that opinion so we can actually have a discussion. As I've often said on this show, I have, I have many friends who are uh, of a different political persuasion than I. 
And I think it's really important for all of us to have a diverse background. There are no absolutes except that statement. But in terms of free speech, I get very nervous when I read things that that uh, are, are intent on cramping free speech. They're intent on shutting it down. For example, Washington State University. That's the school that we've seen a lot of craziness lately. I believe this is the one in Evergreen, Washington. They had um, a, little, uh, a little campus protest yesterday where they marched through the school and chanted things like, the people united cannot be defeated. And then they issued a statement. They issued a list of demands. Today we've got a bunch of lists of demands that we're going to get to. This one really irritated me. And I'll go through it with you. At Washington State University, the saying is, go Cougs. However, this institution has yet to find a way to truly embody this idea of inclusiveness for all Cougs. It's already opened with a ridiculous statement, right? For too long, the administration at this school has remained silent on issues that directly affect its students. This is why students have acquired the growing feeling and understanding that Washington State University does not hear value or care for its students of colors and allies. Not sure what that means. Many argue that WSU is not racist, that the actions of the few do not define the man. These are in quotes. However, we argue that an institution where any students feel not only comfortable, but safe. Now, what does that mean? Where any students not only feel comfortable, but safe in enough to spew hate and encourage violence says a lot about the climate. So what they're saying is that if anyone among the student body has um, idiotic racist views that they need to be gotten rid of. Well, you know, I have to defend a person's right to be as dumb as they want to be. And I think it's important to highlight those people because ultimately I, I believe racists and people who are prejudiced against either a different religion or a different nationality, I believe those people will eventually hear that they are the only voice in the room and maybe question their own beliefs and say, I got this wrong. This list of demands is about to come up here. The student leaders wrote, uh, as student leaders of our respective communities, we have taken on the task of advocating, protesting, asking tough questions. Unfortunately, year after year, student leaders are given the same generic answers and brushed to the side. Told by the administration, we need time. I'll put together a committee. I promise to look further into the insert issue here. I'll hire someone to do it, but it may take some time. So now they're saying that society shows us that the time is now to act. The administration can no longer remain silent on issues directly affecting the student body. The students of color and allies at Washington State University are demanding action, not words. 
Their statement continues. The atmosphere on this campus continues to worsen as tension thickens. Well, it's only because you're creating the tension. Students want nothing more than to focus on the education that we are so privileged to have. Aha! College privilege! I call college privilege on you people. Unfortunately, as students of colors and allies, the concept of always feeling safe and respected on campus is not a luxury we are consistently afforded. Yeah, welcome to life. I had my car taken from me at gunpoint. I had a knife stuck to my neck at an ATM and had my money taken from me. Do you think I felt comfortable and safe? No, life is, you got to be aware. You got to be awake. Thank God I survived both. So the students of Washington State University, the students of color and allies, call for an immediate action by the Board of Regents, the president, the provost, the Office of Equal Opportunity Executive Director, and uh, they are demanding the, the attention to the following. Demanding attention to the following. Number one, create policy defining free speech versus hate speech. I'm sorry, see the First Amendment. Number two, implement require cultural competency and ally training for all first-year students, faculty, and staff. Can someone please tell me what the hell that is? Cultural competency and ally training for all first-year students, faculty, and staff. Hmm. Retain and protect CCGRS and resource centers. I, I'm not sure what those are. I think those are safe spaces. They also are demanding, demanding more staff and faculty of color. This seems to fly in the face of everything Dr. King taught us. Judge a man not on the color of his skin, but the content of his character. And maybe the skills in the job that uh, is being filled. They also are demanding their fifth demand. These are five demands. To create more gender-inclusive facilities and provide, this is the kicker, are you sitting down? <laughs> Provide free menstrual products in all bathrooms. This is what these students are protesting for. They say all of these issues have been brought up to the administration on multiple occasions and various evidence uh, to back up each of them. The administration has chosen to delay, defer, and dismiss the students over and over. As students of color and allies, we ask for your support in our efforts. Please recognize we as students are tired of being ignored and will no longer stand for it. That's why you're having a sit-in, right? See what I did there? Signed the Black Student Union, the Asian Pacific American Student Coalition, the Black Men Making a Difference, the Gender and Sexuality Alliance, and the Black Women's Caucus. We're doomed. If this guy, you know, this is, this is just, this is just so much silliness.
but I wanted to share it with you. Thank God that someone's finally stood up and demanded a university provide more gender-inclusive facilities and free menstrual products in all bathrooms. What could possibly go wrong? We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka on this uh, Hurricane Harvey watching Saturday morning. Uh, the sun is not quite up. The daylight is not quite hit the uh, Texas Coastal Bend region. But there is ample storm chaser video out there. And you just got to wonder about the storm chasers. I guess it's the adrenaline. And there are people that want that adrenaline rush. And God bless them. Be careful. Uh, I, I don't think... See, the storm chasers are the people who don't expect people to come find them. That's what I respect about them. They're pretty much cowboys out there on, on, the, uh, on the plane riding alone. And they, they know, but it's the people that stay and wait after they've been told to get out who, uh, who make me nervous. Before the break, we were talking about the uh, university of, uh, or Washington State University and the demands that the student body was putting on them. And in the demands, one of the things they said was they wanted to retain and protect the CCGRS and resource centers. And I didn't know what the heck that was, but the brilliant and talented Robert did. Uh, looked it up online. Robert, uh, you got your microphone working there? I do indeed. What the heck is CCGRS? That is the Department of Critical Culture, Gender, and Race Studies. The Department of Critical Culture, Gender, and Race Studies. And this is an actual department at Washington State University? Yes, it is. In fact, the department offers BAs in Comparative Ethnic Studies and Women's Studies and an MA and PhD in American Studies. And minors are offered in comparative ethnic studies, women's studies, popular culture, and queer studies. Hmm. Can you imagine walking into a, an office and saying, yes, I have, a, I have a, a master's in queer studies? Well, now it's only a, a minor. So oh, a minor in yeah. queer studies. I'm sorry, my yes. bad. Now, as, as a, a person who would want to get a master in queer studies... Can't you start screaming that that's unfair? If you can get a master's or a PhD in all these other studies, how come you can't get a master's or a PhD in queer studies? Well, I'm sure it's just one of those things where they haven't built the proper curriculum for that yet. But wait for it. In a couple of years, you will be able to get your MA in queer studies. Thank God. I know. Thank God. Because, you know, you know, finding jobs in, in the world is going to require masters in things like queer studies and if we're trying to promote racial equality why are we doing racial comparisons that seems to be that seems to be a little weird to me just throwing that out there anyway uh, washington state university good for you good for you for showing people that we need real real studies 
like giving giving people an, a master's in some of these courses and a minor in queer studies. What? Do you, uh, I'll get myself in trouble if I talk much more on this. We'll be right back after the news. Come on. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network? Oh, happy Saturday, everybody! Welcome, welcome, welcome! It is uh, all new programming on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Opelka here, your humble host. Happy to be here. I love my job, I love this audience. I love each and every one of you, seriously, from the heart of my bottom. Now, I do. I love this work, and I love this audience, and I love the fact that you guys are engaged in what we do every day. And uh, I try to ask a vital question each day. And last night, I'm, I'm going to bed as the hurricane is hitting the Texas coast and uh, hitting between Victoria and Corpus Christi. And I'm taking in all the news of the pardon of Sheriff Arpaio by the president and Sebastian Gorka's, air quotes, resignation, close air quotes, and the president's order on transgenders in the military and the North Korean stuff. And all I can think of is, you know, tomorrow's National Dog Day. And I need to know where this audience stands. <laughs> I know all this stuff going on. We got a hurricane devastating. The largest hurricane to hit the mainland in America in, a, in over a decade. Massive storm going to rain for days in that region, in the Coastal Bend region of Texas, and probably going to cause billions in damage. Hopefully minimal loss of life. God bless those folks. And all this other stuff, the transgender ban, Gorka, Arpaio, North Korea. And I want to know, since it's National Dog Day, are you a dog person, a cat person, both or neither? Phones are open, 888-900-3393, I have, in fact, posted a poll on uh, Twitter, at StuntBrain is my Twitter handle, all one word, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. Currently, 54% of you voting are dog people. 7% are cat people. 32% are both. And 7% of you are neither. Now, as I thought about this for a long, long time, I have been, uh, I've been a, a dog owner for most of my life. Safe to say. Most of my life. And I like dogs a lot. I think they're terrific animals. Not so much cats, but that's okay. Cat people are cat people. But dogs and cats, 
I, I, I have to say, people, I think, I think we've reached a point at which we're just taking the relationship between humans and animals a tad too far. I know some of you are saying, what? Yeah, look, I, I believe God put the animals on the earth to help us and feed us and, and ser serve uh, our needs in terms of transportation. But I think we've gone too far in some cases with how we treat the animals in our lives. And, you know, I'm guilty of, of wanting to make sure the the animals in our world are comfortable and all that stuff. But I'm, I draw the line when, when someone comes up. Let's say I'm walking the dog. And one of the neighbors sees me walking the dog and says, Oh, this is the new puppy. And they come over and they make a big stink about the dog. And then they... They they pet the dog and they go, is daddy taking you for a walk? I stop every time somebody does that, every single time. And maybe I'm a rude guy. Maybe I'm, I'm not appreciative of this affection. But every time somebody does that, I stop and I say, pardon me? Pardon me? Excuse me? No, I'm not the father of this dog. I'm not this dog's daddy. I am this dog's owner. This dog has the life it has, and it's pretty much won the doggy lottery. This dog has the life it has because I, we, choose to have this dog in our life. We are not the parents of this dog. Nor will this dog have the same footing, pun intended, as the humans in the house. And I think we've lost a little bit of our way in terms of how we deal with some of the animals in our life. And I'm not talking about a service animal, a legitimate service animal, not your comfort pig that you want to carry on the plane. I'm talking about just the way we deal with dogs and cats. I think we need to focus a tad more on our people-to-people -people skills. And I think that would improve the lives of the animals in our world because I think that we are look we're we're the we're the alpha creatures here. So on this dog day, that's my that's my mini rant about what we're doing. I really think we've lost it a little bit. We've gone overboard and we treat these animals. And now some people are saying, what about the folks who only have pets? Well, I I would love to see those people get out a little bit. I'd love to see those people get just a touch more connected to humans. Well, maybe they don't have the skills. How about we help them? How's about we help them? Now, see, you could take that dog to the dog park and meet similarly minded folks. But I'll guarantee you, once you start talking to people, you'll find them infinitely more rewarding than animals now it might make you feel good to rescue an animal that's good that's fine there's a whole bunch of people that need rescuing there are a whole bunch of folks out there in the world who could use the care and feeding that we give to these animals 
Have we solved all the problems? Do we really need all of... And I know there's a whole bunch of people are saying, so what? What triggered this, Mike? Well, it wasn't just National Dog Day. I read about a person who left something like $500,000 for the care and feeding of their, their dog after they had passed, which is fine. That's fine. But what could that money, what could Leona Helmsley's $12 million that she left to her dog have done to make life better for somebody in the community? I know it's their, their money, and that's fine. I'm not telling anyone how to spend their money. I'm just suggesting, unless we solve all the problems of all the people, that, that maybe, maybe we back down on elevating the dogs and cats in our life to human status because it leads to wackiness. It leads to the people that are fighting for, you know, we've seen it, the people that want to give animals the same rights as humans. No, no, we don't need to be doing that. That's my little, little mini rant today. So if you see me walking the dog, which happens almost daily, and you come up to me and say, whoa, daddy's taking you for a walk. Guess what you're going to get from me? Snark, a stare, and an admonishment because, no, daddy is not taking Tink for a walk. Tink's owner is taking Tink for a walk. Yes, that's the current dog's name, Tink. All right, there's my little... My little, I'm done with that. Okay, I'll step aside. Coming up today, yes, we, we talked about the Sheriff Arpaio pardon from the president and how it has ticked off people everywhere, including Nancy Pelosi, who's very upset, very upset that somebody would dare enforce the law because that violates her, her primary directive of making sure the entire country is a sanctuary country. And that we don't pay attention to the law. So law and order doesn't mean anything to Nancy Pelosi. Unless, of course, she applies it to uh, Sheriff Arpaio, who was going to get six months unless the judge said, well, you know what, he's too old, which is probably what would have happened. But the president gave him a clean record after all his years of service. I do believe Arpaio was hit by a political witch hunt. I do believe that that entire contempt conviction, although he probably could have avoided by following the judge's orders, I think that was a complete political witch hunt. But that's not the biggest story that's popping out there today. And as I mentioned, um, the North Korea story, North Korea, no shock, fired three, three little bitty bottle rockets in terms of comparison to the uh, intercontinental ballistic missile test recently, these were bottle rockets. One blew up before it got pretty much up in the air, and the other two, not so much. They landed just a, a little bit offshore. So uh, North Korea, a, a problem, but more like a, a buzzing mosquito. The Arpaio pardon will be talked about, and they, it will be politicized from the point of uh, racial politics. This will be about Latinos, as we've already seen people saying, well, it's a, he, this is about President Trump endorsing 
The persecution of Latinos. No, it's not. It's about enforcing the immigration laws. Let's not lie about it. The other two big stories, the Gorka story and the the trans ban, we, we will get to. But there are some other bigger issues afloat out there today that we also need to address. And um, and I, I mentioned one of them yesterday. And I've, I've got to see if uh, Jeff Fisher is talking about this. Jeffy often talks about the coming robot uh, revolution and, and the, the uh, robot takeover. And the robots really are going to have an effect on jobs in the future. We've seen it already, but this is not new. This is absolutely not new. We've already dealt with some of the job changes job losses due to automation from computers and in the automotive industry we saw robots building cars and starting to build cars in the 80s so it was only a matter of time before robots started taking over the tasks of humans hell we've had them in our homes for almost a decade look at the Roomba and now you can tell your what is that little personal assistant you have the the Google thing or, or Alexa, you can say, Alexa, tell Goom- Roomba to start vacuuming. And guess what? Alexa talks to Roomba and Roomba starts cleaning. So where are you on this? I wonder if Jeffy has looked into this. There is a proposal from one person who says that that uh, we, we can't allow these robots to take the jobs from humans. And I'm wondering if there are going to be people chanting in the streets as there are protests about uh, the the fight for raising the minimum wage to um, $15 an hour and more. The people that are out there in the fight for 15 those folks are out there chanting. I'm just waiting for it. Uh, robots will not replace us. Robots will not replace us. One of the proposals from these people one of the actual pitches from these folks who are who are out there worried about the coming robot takeover of jobs, especially in the fast food industry, and it's already here, so, you know, try closing that barn door. One of the proposals is to uh, have a robot tax. For every robot you bring in that replaces one worker you have to pay the government the tax that that worker's wages would have provided to the federal treasury seriously that's one of the pitches now what if a robot replaces three people so now that company that that small business needs to then pay the taxes of three people The tax money, the three people. Well, here's the other flip on that, because if I was having this debate with somebody, if we're replacing a fast food worker and this worker is in the income category that virtually pays no taxes, shouldn't that then apply as well? Because there are uh, a great portion of the of the working world who don't earn enough money based on the government's estimation to actually pay taxes. I'll find out the figures on what that percentage is when we get back.
But an interesting topic. I'll ask Jeffy. Uh, Jeffy, if you're listening on your way in today, the robot tax. Have you heard about this idea? If you're going to put a robot in the place of a human worker, there's a group that wants you to pay the same tax that that normal worker would pay because it's a penalty for replacing human labor. I've always been uh, the person who says, learn how to fix the robots because they're going to break. Learn how to code the robots because they're going to need to be told how to do things. So learn how to write code. Don't complain about the marketplace. Actually stop, do a little study of where it's going, and then find your future. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Talking uh, about uh, you guys out there. There's such a wonderful audience out there. I appreciate you so much. I, I will have some stories to share from the Twitter and the responses to my poll. But Larry is driving through New Mexico this morning very early. Larry, good morning. Welcome to Pure Opelka. How you doing, Mike? I'm talk good. To about uh. Yeah, I want to talk to you about Joe Arpaio. Okay. And, uh, the reason he's currently out of office and he lost the election is because the people of the county were sick of paying lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit that the guy was losing. Um, what was going on wasn't as much the rage as he was, these guys were doing traffic stops and holding citizens for over an hour while they checked to decide whether they were citizens or not. Hmm. It was. It wasn't just simply the raids. It was. It was the lawsuits he was getting, and he just wouldn't stop doing it. And if he was going to get a suspended sentence anyway, what's the point of pardoning other than just to cause more controversy? Well, it does. And Larry, you bring up a really good point, and I was not aware of all of the uh, the pesky stopping and detaining people for an hour, and that would irritate me. But, but as a citizen, it would bother me as well that we were having to pay to defend all those lawsuits. And I, I but what I believe here is not but just to I cause just controversy, the lawsuits, but to pay the losses. Yeah. Well, I understand. You're right. They probably had to settle with a lot of them. But in terms of just, I don't think it's just causing controversy. I think one thing we've seen with Donald Trump is loyalty. And I do think expunging the conviction from the record is part of what this is. Now, Arpaio's it's not going to get a job. He's not looking for one. He's 85 years old. I know he's retired, but that you're, you're absolutely, you bring up a very good point. What, what was the point? And maybe, maybe we need somebody on that staff with the president's ear to be able to say what sir, think about what this will cause. And maybe that's got, maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. He doesn't care. He's all about his ego. Well, I do it's think you're it, correct it, on the that. The rally in Phoenix was, was 
he needs people sitting there cheering him and telling him how great he is. It's the only reason he has these rallies. He's already been elected. He doesn't need to have campaign rallies anymore. And see, Larry, I believe that on both sides. I believe Obama was the same way. He just didn't have the same bluster about it. And I'm up, I'm up against a hard wall, Larry. Uh, I don't know which direction you're driving. If you're headed to Texas, be careful. But I appreciate you for being out there. And thanks for the education on Joe Arpaio and some of the underlying reasons for the uh, removal, the loss in the election. Uh, Hang on, Fred. I want to talk about the robot tax after the break. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. This this morning, this Saturday morning, we're trying to get a hold of everything, our hands on everything, from Hurricane Harvey to North Korea to Joe Arpaio's pardon to Sebastian Gorka, gone from the White House to the trans ban the president signed in the military. Much going on, but I mentioned earlier the discussion that's now being raised by people who want minimum wage protected and are worried about jobs being lost to the robot revolution that's coming. And there's a group that's pitching an idea that anybody who puts a robot in place should have to then pay the, the money that that robot's victim, in other words, the person who lost a job to the robot, would have paid to the Treasury. Uh, and I wonder if you if you put a Roomba in your house, does that mean you are now putting a house cleaning person out of business? Should you be paying the robot tax for having a Roomba? I just wonder. What about uh, self driving cars? What about that kind of technology? Does that mean you're putting an Uber driver or a Lyft driver out of business? And should you have to pay their taxes as well? Fred's checking in from Pennsylvania this morning. Hey, Fred, welcome to the program again. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. This is an interesting dilemma, isn't it? This crazy robot tax idea. So, okay, so it, it kind of culminates between two two things: the the fight for fifteen and this this robot tax, right? So, you have you have people that saying, well, I deserve $15 an hour because it's a living wage and I can't live without getting 15 bucks an hour. You've got corporations that are uh, now getting, uh, you know, this proposed robot tax um, because corporations are already taxed at a super high rate anyway. Yep. Um, and let, let's take both of those groups out and let's look at the actual um in, I guess, inflictor of, of all of this, this issue. It's the government. The government keeps raising taxes and raising taxes and raising taxes and taking more money and more money and more money. What does that do? Well, the corporations get a higher tax rate. They incur more costs. So to separate that cost, because they have to have higher profits for their shareholders, they raise prices on their items, which in then turns 
has the consumer has to pay more money for those items they want or slash need. Then the consumer says, well, I'm working, can't afford all this other stuff, so I need a higher wage. The higher wage then jacks up the employer, who then has to jack up their prices. So it's this never-ending cycle. Take out the government and take out this big eating machine of just nothing but just pure waste. Reduce it, lower the tax rate, corporation just do away with the corporate tax rate to begin with because corporations aren't people anyway and let people live their lives stop interjecting you know i was thinking about uh you bring up such (laughs) such a great point fred in all of this at the end of the day in all of this is the the realization of just how right the idea, the principles of libertarianism are don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. That's what we want the government to do. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. At the core of all of this, you're right, is the government's greed and taxation and what it does. It causes inflation. It causes higher prices on everything. It causes, let's look at the soda tax. The soda tax in Philadelphia caused more job loss than any benefit it's going to have. And, and we were told, well, if we tax the sugar, it's going to help the children because the children are obese. And it's not about the parents telling the kids, no, you can't have a soda for breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's about the government coming in and trying to put a sin tax on it. And we know how in Philly alone, they lost 400 jobs because of the soda tax in Philadelphia alone. So I'm totally with you on this. Less will less tax, less government will equal more prosperity and you will have the jobs for those people. And guess what? If more people go to work, it's going to be more competitive for great employees, which will do what? Oh, I don't know. It'll raise wages. Yeah. This government manipulation into business really does. It it just irks me. And it irks me that people can't understand it. So the robot tax, you're right. It weaves right perfectly into their their tapestry of reasons why they want this giant government control. It's just, it's perfect for them. But they can't see the freedom that would be achieved if we would apply the free market and libertarianism to all of this. So I'm, I'm with you on that, Fred. Thank you. Now, Fred, dog or cat, neither or both? Oh, dog. I, I, have, I have one. I used to have two. Okay. Like I said, I'm, I'm okay with it. I just... Now, no one's ever said, uh, you, you don't call yourself your dog's daddy, do you? Oh, yeah, they're like my kids, man. Really? Because did you hear me yeah. ranting about that? The people come up to me and go, Daddy's taking you for a walk. And I always say, no. No. D- the no. owner is taking the dog for a walk. Correct. But they're, they're, they're part of our family. Sure. You can make them part of your family, but I'm not there's a pecking order, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my kid, I have two daughters, and they call me daddy. That's fine. But I'm not going to have somebody refer to me as the dog's daddy. Like, no. Mm, no. 
I actually I'm, stopped. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the alpha dog. I am the pack leader. That's that's the the follower. Okay, just checking. I I just think we some sometimes when I see some of the excesses that people shower on their dogs, I always go, all right, I think we've gone a little too far in the dog thing. Aren't there some people you could help out with some of the, you have a dog, it's okay, but you know, let's let's try and remember the, the humans should be first. Let's work on maybe taking care of some of the humans. Just a thought, just a personal opinion. But as always, Fred, thank you for the thoughtful and uh, Im- important clarity on a Saturday morning. I appreciate you. And there he goes, off into the abyss. Uh, so much to cover today. Uh, we are we are monitoring the storm as the sun is probably getting close or daylight's probably getting close to uh, coming uh, out of the clouds in out of the darkness in Texas as as this thing is going to be uh, showing its its um, its damages that that Harvey has laid upon the people. In Texas, I have to tell you a story that has come to pass about Harvey. I have to tell you about this craziness. And this is about Harvey's effect on one couple. One couple in Texas. The couple, Jenny Swears and Dustin Morgan. Jenny Swears and Dustin Morgan met in high school They started dating about five years ago. They got engaged and they spent a year planning their dream wedding. They were going to get married in April of 2016. They were so excited. The the wedding was just around the corner. And then there was a massive rain and flood. And the Sabine River flooded. And the venue where they were going to get married had six feet of water in it the Sabine River near Houston. They uh, had to reschedule the event. They, they wanted to get married at the same location, but, but it was going to take a, a, a few months. So they just said, okay, April 2016? No, let's just do it April 2017. They told everybody, 150 people they were inviting, we're doing this wedding in April of 2017 instead of April 2016. All right, everybody said, cool. You guys have been together for years. Why not? A couple of months before the wedding, the venue called and said, look, uh, construction's been a little more more intense. After all, we had six feet of water in the the catering hall where they were going to have their reception. And uh, they weren't going to be done in time. So they said, all right, let's move it to... uh, August 26th of 2017, meaning today. They told all their friends, their 150 people, friends and family they invited, and everybody was great, yay, we're going to go to the wedding in August 26th. Jenny and Dustin are finally going to tie the knot. And then Hurricane Harvey steps in. Now, Houston's not on a direct path. But this storm is so massive. The rain is so huge. Hurricane Harvey is going to dump up to 50% of Houston's annual rainfall in a matter of two days. The city of Houston could possibly get half of their annual rainfall 
just this week. Now, as Hurricane Harvey started inching closer and closer to the shoreline and it looked like the bands of rain were going to slap Houston, the 150 guest list started getting smaller and smaller. The 150 confirmed guests by Friday had dwindled down to 40 and then 15. Now we're pretty much at immediate family only. And then the preacher called and said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to make it. And Jenny said, well, maybe we could Skype him in. <laughs> Can you imagine getting married by Skype? I'm sure it's happened somewhere. They had to cancel again. The third time that this couple, Jenny and Dustin, has had to cancel their wedding. Third time. Anyone wondering if this is a sign? I know they've been together for over five years, but, you know, when the universe gives you a sign, when God says, maybe this isn't a good idea, I'm just saying, they live in Orange, Texas, which is uh, out east of Houston off I-10 near the border on Louisiana. And the, the good news for them, the good news is, they are hunkering down for the storm and have enough brisket and potato salad to make it for several days. They're on the Jenny and Dustin's brisket and potato salad survival diet. Good luck to them. I don't know if they're going to try a fourth time. We'll be right back. Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Wrapping up the second hour of today's show, Jeff Fisher will be here live from Dallas to give you that perspective from uh, a Lone Star State POV. I've also reached out to a friend who is in Houston to see if she'll be up and can give us a a call this morning. I, I don't know if that's going to make it happen. Um, I wonder if, if all the attention to the storm is going to put a damper on the protest that's scheduled in San Francisco today. Hundreds of uh, San Francisco's are getting ready to um, try and counter what they're calling an alt-right protest. And they're doing it in a really unique way. The, the plan you see here is, um, is to sort of create a, a minefield for the Patriot Prayer Rally that's, that's scheduled today in San Francisco. The Patriot Prayer Rally that's being called a bunch of far-right activists. The way that these people are planning on protesting the Patriot Prayer Rally in San Francisco 
is to lay a minefield, if you will, of dog poo. Lots of it. Hundreds of people in San Francisco are planning on lining the walkway where this prayer rally is supposed to happen with dog poop. They are collecting their own. They actually have a Facebook page that is encouraging people to gather after they have collected the residue from walking their dogs and bring it to this place. This is what it's come to. We've got people throwing bottles of urine at the cops and others who are lining the walkways in a minefield of dog poop. It doesn't get any stranger than this, California. You are such a beautiful place with so many great people who listen to this show and support conservative causes that has come down to this. Dog poop. Human pee and dog poop. Those are the tools of protest these days. Not cogent arguments. I don't, I don't know what to say. I need a break. I got to get a cup of tea. I'll be right back. Come on back. Pure Opelka. With Michael Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network? Third hour of Pure Opelka kicking off a live Saturday broadcast on the Blaze Radio Network. Jeff Fisher is in the building in Dallas and will be taking the reins after this hour. And I meant reins as in horse reins, not the reins falling in Texas. We've been monitoring all of the activities around Harvey and watch it go from a Category 4 last night down to a Category 1. And I don't want anybody to think that a Category 1 is a walk in the park. It's not. As a veteran of five hurricanes, and one of which hit Houston back in the 80s when I was still there, I remember just how nasty and crazy things got. But I'm, I'm kind of far removed for it from it, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, friends who are there and hopefully very safe, but uh, I wanted to get a perspective from an actual Texan who's there. Uh, back in my days in the music video world and radio world in Texas, I used to listen to a, a just a great voice and a great spirit in the world of rock and roll. Uh, her name is Dana Steele. She's now actually a candidate for Congress in Texas. And uh, somebody I've fortunately made a connection with to keep up on what she's up to. Dana is joining us very early from, I think, the Houston area to uh, give us an update. Good morning. It's been forever. Good morning. It's so good to hear your voice again. How are you? I, I'm good. I'm good. It's a, it's a strange world, isn't it, Dana? When 30 years ago we were both in, uh, in Houston, I guess you stuck around. You know, I did. I did. I ended up uh, doing, well, I did rock radio for over 20 years and then ended up doing 
um, television for a while, uh, doing some television reporting and anchoring and have gone on to write books. I write business books and do speeches on success and in my spare time run for Congress and, and avoid hurricanes is what I'm doing right now. Well, that's good. Are you still in Houston? I'm in Houston. We're down in Seabrook. Um, we were, we were, Seabrook nine years ago was pretty much considered ground zero for Ike. And then at the last minute, Ike sort of did that jink, did that turn and wiped out Bolivar Peninsula. Um, but we still have people around here that are, that are, that are still trying to recover from Ike. Um, people, people just don't sometimes realize that you know it because you've seen it. I'm a third generation Houstonian, you know, seen it my whole life. The power of water and wind is stunning. Um, and, and, you know, waking up this morning to see that it's dropped from a four to a one is good. But as you said, that really doesn't mean anything. We're still going to see the water rise. We're still going to see a surge. It's still churning. We, we have the forecast is 100% chance of rain for six days. Jeez. And that water, yeah, that water has to go somewhere. Um, we, we, have a, we have like a split-level house, so the main part of the house is upstairs, but the downstairs is almost at sea level. So we spent yesterday, everything's upstairs. It was my, you know, my son's bedroom, the guest room. Um, so we've moved everything upstairs. Um, but the biggest concern that I have is not for us. We'll be fine. You know, we'll get in the car and go north if we have to. Um, but this surge, the, the biggest fear for me right now is the surge up the Houston ship channel. Um, we can't tell right now if is this the one. Uh, but what happens when we do have a huge surge up the ship channel? Are those tanks going to hold? And the Houston ship channel holds 42% of all the aviation fuel in the country. It holds um, right around 50% of all the petrochemicals that are used to make everything from water bottles to whatever. Um, and it also stores, I believe, it's 60% of the gasoline in the country. So um, just imagine if some of those tanks are breached. Uh, so we're just we're watching everything. So there's my happy news for the morning. <laughs> well, uh, all we of that. Watch it. All of that is is uh, good information because people need to understand that the port of Houston is a massive port, uh, second or third largest port in the country. And just the fact that all that aviation fuel, all that other uh, petroleum that runs through there is going to have an effect on everybody's wallet, everybody's pocket going going forward very soon. This changes things very quickly. And right. I am Where worried, though, about why, you know, why didn't you get out, Dana? They, they did say you're, was it voluntary? I know Galveston was voluntary, but this Actually, looks like. It's all, it's all stair-stepped, Mike, because, because we're trying to avoid what happened when people were on the road for 26 hours with Rita. Oh, so it's a yeah. very planned out stair-step. I'm in Taylor Lake Village, Seabrook, and our, um, our evacuation window is this morning right now till noon. So we're waiting for the sun to come up. We will assess it. Um, we, we, we're not going to get the hurricane. We're not going to get hurricane strength winds. We may get tropical storm strength winds. Uh, our biggest thing is the, the rising water. Uh, NASA Parkway was built um, elevated. It's, it's pretty high. People don't realize it's pretty high. 
and uh, got us, you know, I'm in Texas. I got me a pickup truck. So <laughs> we'll, we'll load up three, three rescue dogs, uh, Satan's cat, as I refer to her, um, you know, mom, dad, and the son, and probably head up to, to Austin, although it's supposed to flood in Austin. That was our plan. So, you know, we may be headed to Dallas. Who knows? Um, right now, we're just kind of waiting for the sun to come up and see. The most important thing was to get everything downstairs, upstairs, everything tied down, make sure the neighbors are safe. We have a few elderly neighbors. Um, I've got some some people that are reaching out to me already in Laporte, uh, which is uh, their evacuation was yesterday. There's a couple of people down on their luck that as if life hasn't thrown them enough of a curveball, they now have a tree in their house. So we're trying oh, to figure geez. out. Yeah, we're trying to figure out how to, to get help to them or at least get them out of harm's way and, and into a shelter. So, you know, during Ike, Ike was, my, my son was, what was he? He was like 12 at the time. My husband was flying. He couldn't get back in town. My little one was, was with relatives. So it was the 12-year-old and me cleaning up after four feet of water in the house. Jeez. And he, but he made this really cool comment to me. He said, Mom, I know this has been hard and it's a lot of work, but he said it's been so neat not having TV or video games and getting together with the neighbors every night for dinner. And, <laughs> and it, it was. So that's what you do. You put politics aside. You put, you know, let's quit. People were bitching and moaning on my Facebook page this morning, and I was like, stop. This is not the place for politics. This is not the place for pointing fingers on, you know, who did what. This is how do we get the tree out of her house? How do we get our elderly neighbors and the poor into shelters? How do we make sure that we save as many lives in advance as we can? So, you know, I'm just a, I'm a firm believer that for the most part, people are good. And that's what we're trying to do right now is just get, you know, let's get everybody together. What can we do? What do we need? Where do we go? We're talking to Dana Steele. She's in uh, the Houston area, actually uh, south of Houston, in a very low-lying area. Dana's a, a friend from my days in Texas, and, and she was in rock radio. She's a candidate for Congress now, and I anticipate coming up to 18, 2018, we'll actually talk about things in the future because we have different opinions there. But Dana and your family, judging from what you're saying about your kid, you embody the spirit of Texas that I picked up in my 13 years in the Lone Star State. And that is you take care of yourself. And when you got yourself set up and comfortable, then you start looking around and make sure nobody else needs help. And if they do, you go over and you help them. And that yeah. that's what I loved what about Texas do. is the you're going to do it and get it done spirit. And there's going to be somebody if you need help to help you. And I think uh, just a, an amazing example of why I, I, I miss Texas a lot, Dana. You know, you just get out there and do it. After Hurricane Ike, we lost a, just a huge amount of trees on our street. And, you know, we just, everybody got out with chainsaws. And um, I, you, know how, you know how these people just come out of the woodwork after a hurricane and, and people need to be careful. Um, there, was, there was this truck driving down our street that had almost this crude handmade sign on the side that said tree dudes. And it looked like, you know, three escaped convicts. <laughs> But they had all the equipment. They had the ladders. They had the chainsaws. 
And I mean, I, I, I'm all of, you know, five, two and a hundred pounds. I stood in front of that truck and stopped him and said, we will feed you. We will house you <laughs> and we, we will give you water if you will stay on our street. And they said, well, somebody else has already contacted us. And again, we will feed you. We will house you <laughs> and we will give you water. And the tree dudes slept on our street for a week and, well, I- uh, you know, helped us get stuff done. I know you as a force of nature from when I knew you before. So nothing changes. <laughs> nothing really ever changes. That's good to know. Uh, Dana Steele, will you stay in touch with us? We, we, hope, we hope the best for you, your family and your neighbors and for all of our friends and family in Texas, because I still have friends and family down there. Uh, well, I, and, I hope you people have people follow along on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's D A Y N A S T E E L E. I'm I'm documenting all the pictures on Instagram and letting people know where we need help on the others. At Dana Steele, and it's Dana D A Y N A S T E L E on oh, the Twitter. Uh, follow her. E E L E E E L E. I left out an E. I left out the most important one too. There you go. Sorry. All right. Okay. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you getting up early and sharing with us. Please stay safe and God bless Texas. All right. We'll keep you posted. Take care. Bye. Dana is, uh, as as you heard, 5'2 and maybe 100 pounds and stops trucks where guys have chainsaws to clean up her neighborhood. And she does care about her neighbors. Uh, we are on opposite ends of the political spectrum, but have much in common in the middle. And we're probably going to talk about our differences and our similarities as we get ready for 2018. But right now, Dana is in Houston. You heard the story. Um, They're facing serious 100% chance of rain for the next six days. (laughs) That's not good for a low-lying area that also provides so much of our fuel for planes so much of the petroleum we need for just about everything that we use in this country. Very interesting perspective to look at this. Uh, We'll give you an update, uh, other updates as we get them. Of course, if you're in the path of the storm and you want to talk, the phone lines are open, 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. This is Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a Saturday of all new programming as we are monitoring many events going on around the world. Many here at home. The Hurricane Harvey update is coming in now as it's daybreak along the Texas coast. And uh, Bill Cairns, a weather forecaster I follow, He's the guy over at NBC just said Houston is quickly becoming the story of the morning. So our friend Dana Steele in Houston, we just talked to her. She's just south of Houston in a in a bedroom community between NASA and um, and Houston. 
that's where Dana lives. So um, that that's a very low lying area. So I, I, I hope all of our friends in that region are safe. I have friends in Victoria. I have friends all up and down the coastal bend area. It's going to be massive. And, and just because the storm is ashore doesn't mean this is over. No, this is really just beginning. So say a prayer for those folks today. And if you have the shekels to donate to a charity like Mercury One or to, um, to the Red Cross, do what you can. And if you can't, hit your knees. Maybe you can say a little prayer for those folks. Just a good thought. Um, there, there are other stories out there. This Sebastian Gorka story, I wasn't surprised by the abrupt resignation of Sebastian Gorka, one of the president's advisors. He's, he's ruffled feathers in many different corridors, but his resignation letter that was posted on the blaze last night saying, given recent events, it is clear to me that forces that do not support the MAGA promise, meaning make America great again, are for now ascendant within the White House. As a result, the best and most effective way I can support you, Mr. President, is from outside the people's house. Interesting. He added, reg regrettably, outside of yourself, the individuals who most embodied and represented the policies that will, quote, make America great again, have been internally countered, systematically removed, or undermined in recent months. This was made patently obvious as I read the text of your speech on, on Afghanistan this week. Gorka referred to the fact that the draft of the speech, the approved speech, removed any mention of radical Islam or radical Islamic terrorism. And he said that that crucial element of your campaign has been lost. So Sebastian Gorka is out. And most people are pointing towards Trump's chief of staff, John Kelly, who did not apparently reportedly did not approve of Gorka's appearances on television. And uh, I, I don't know Sebastian Gorka. I've never met the guy. He friended me on Facebook. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? But uh, I know he's been a regular guest on Buck Sexton's show. Here's a guy who's now out. And there are those who believe he will be more effective outside of the White House, just as people believe Steve Bannon will be able to try and push his agenda easier from outside the White House than he could from inside the White House. I do support John Kelly in trying to stabilize whatever's going on inside that Oval Office. I support Kelly, as it was reported yesterday, trying to have a... Um, sort of a filter on what gets to the president. Every White House has had this. So for anyone who says to you, uh, John Kelly's even having to restrict what he gets. Every administration in recent memory in my lifetime has had someone who actually was a filter to, to what gets to the president. And there was, a, there was the basic belief that Reince Priebus was not capable of doing that. 
that Priebus had lost any control, Priebus had lost any ability to block the various sources that were pounding and getting through to the president's ear. So if Gorka couldn't deal with that order, then I think it is better. I think it is better for consistency and the professionalism that is so needed in order to make things happen, to get the tax reform, to get everything we need done, done. And you know what? The, the burning of bridges in this resignation letter, not something I would have put out there. But that's his choice, his statement, his resignation letter, blunt as it were. But he's gone now. There were so many people who anticipated this. I included. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe there's another shoe yet to drop. We still have more to cover today. Today's the anniversary, by the way. The 19th uh, Amendment took effect in 1920. The 19th Amendment, of course, giving women the right to vote. It took a long time. It's an important amendment. Um, I, we, we run a children's theater here in Delaware that was built in the late 1890s, and it's a place where the suffragettes met and plotted and campaigned and started what would ultimately become the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote on this date, 1920. When we get back, an update on the vital question of the day and uh, some demands, some demands from Black Lives Matter and what they want all of us white people to do. It's kind of disturbing. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is uh, a Saturday that is filled with news because Friday was overloaded with news. We had Hurricane Harvey coming ashore just after 10 o'clock East Coast time, still pounding the, uh, the coastal bend area of Texas. We had North Korea firing what, what technically is the equivalent in military terms of three bottle rockets, one of which blew up pretty much on the pad and the other two kind of fizzled into the uh, water. But no threat to Japan. South Korea, not happy. We're not. Nobody's really happy. But that that Bobo is still at it. Sheriff Arpaio was pardoned. That was expected. Possibly could have happened last Tuesday when Donald Trump was in Arizona. But it happened last night. You heard from people uh, in the South who, in the Southwest area, actually called this morning and said he was a bad dude in terms of not listening to the judge, actually stopping people and detaining them for an hour on traffic stops while they tried to find out if they were legal or not. Uh, you know, there's, there are supporters on both sides of the Arpaio question. Sebastian Gorka, one of Donald Trump's advisors and one of the one of the non-traditional political advisors to the president is out. He's kind of scorching the earth as he leaves. 
And last night, President Trump signed the ban, the ban that would prohibit recruitment of transgendered individuals. And I believe they're looking at at uh, preventing expenditures on any medical operations to change a person's gender. So there is plenty for people to be upset about or happy about. There are people cheering and booing on both sides of all those issues. But at the center of it, we have a whole bunch of Americans who are in the path of this storm. And I know what you're saying. If, if, uh, if you're not in the path of the storm, big deal, so what? Well, it does matter, especially when you think about, as Dana Steele told us, how much petroleum passes through the Houston Ship Channel. And Bill Cairns, the NBC forecaster that, that I do follow, just said Houston is quickly becoming the story of the morning. That storm surge going up the Houston Ship Channel has a massive effect on our economy. So pay attention today and understand that everything you buy that involves plastic or oil is going to be affected by this storm if it does what they're predicting it will do, and it looks like it. So just understand, there's, there's a lot going on here. Also, uh, today is Dog Day, National Dog Day. And I made mention of uh, my belief that sometimes, and I'm a dog owner, a dog lover, been a dog rescuer, but we've gone over the top on some of these. And this, this triggered in me, when somebody saw me walking our our newest dog Tink, and said, "Oh, Mike's Mike's out for a, a walk with the new puppy. What's the name? Tink is the name of the dog. Tink, your daddy's taking you for a walk. No, no, uh, no. The daddy is not here. The owner is here." So I asked the question because I want to know where you stand on National Dog Day. Are you a dog person, a cat person, a both dog and cat person or neither? Currently, just a couple hours into this poll, 57% of you say you are dog people, 9% are cat people, 27% of this this voting audience uh, say both, you claim both, 7% say neither. I don't mind that we have dogs and cats. I don't mind that we take care of, spoil, whatever, dogs and cats. I just think that people should be first. People should be first. Just saying. Just saying, people. People should be first. Uh, now, there's a big fight out in Las Vegas uh, tonight. This, uh, this fight with uh, Mayweather and McGregor. And my brother's asking me, hey, we could go. We could go. It's uh, it's a hundred dollars for pay per view, or we could we could get a pair of ringside seats. They're just uh, seventeen thousand nine hundred sixty-two dollars each. And if I agree to leave here and jump on a plane and meet my brother George in Las Vegas for the fight and scarf up those ringside seats, he will buy dinner. What a decent individual. What a lovely individual my brother is. I am not spending the Tesla money on a fight that's going to be over in 11 seconds. 
Seriously, anyone believe it's 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 not going to be over in 11 seconds? Anybody? Come on. I absolutely do believe that this this fight is going to be over in about a a minute and a half. So I'm I'm not going to be flying. There's no way I'm flying five hours to Las Vegas to watch a fight that's going to take one and a half minutes. There's absolutely no stinking way. <laughs> what is wrong with people? Seriously, people, what is wrong with people? I know it's going to be an entertaining fight. I'm, we've been debating on this uh, all week long, whether it's actually going to go past two rounds. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering. Anybody? Anybody? Weigh Does anyone care? Are any of you going to grab the pay-per-view? I am not going to grab the pay-per-view. That's not happening. All right, I will. Uh, I'll get off the fight. I'm. I'm curious because it's so over the top. I'm curious because this is such a ridiculous, ridiculous fight between these two. And is anyone really taking it seriously? Is anyone in on both sides of this taking it seriously, or is it just a monster payday that will promote both MMA and boxing? I'm not a big MMA guy, so I don't know much about it. And I know uh, my brother's side, my brother's family, appears to be uh, Camp Mayweather. And they're saying that it only makes sense. It only makes sense to think of Camp Mayweather. I mentioned um, a, um, a list of demands that are being made uh, for uh, white people by some activists in the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, and um, they're almost too ridiculous um, to mention. But I need a little more time to get to them. And uh, I, I'm going to step away early and uh, give you the, the list of, the, of what the activist has said in terms of uh, what white people need to do. Because it seems a little bit of, uh, a little bit of craziness. But actually, crazy is okay. They've, they've only listed 10 demands. 10 demands for, uh, for what... Um, this, this Black Lives Matter activist from Louisville, Kentucky, a leader, wants um, those of us who happen to have been born white to do. Uh, the, the first six demands deal with property. This is reportedly from the Daily Wire, reportedly from Chanel Helm, one of the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter Louisville. Uh, the first six demands talk about property and money. Number one, white people, if you don't have any descendants, will your property to a black or brown family, preferably one that lives in generational poverty. Um, my home is my property, and I am allowed to do with it what I wish to do with it. Helm also adds, number two demand, if you're inheriting property, white people, and you intend to sell upon acceptance, give it to a black or brown family. You're bound to make that money in some other white privileged way. No, none of us are guaranteed a future, Chanel. Number three demand, other than uh, willing your property and then uh, any property you might inherit, you have to give up. 
Number three, if you're a developer or a realty owner of a multifamily housing building, uh, build a sustainable complex in a black or brown blighted neighborhood and let black or brown people live in it for free. Um, No. No, it's about a hand up, not a hand out. Her fifth demand, white people, if any people you intend to leave your property to are racist a-holes, Change the will and will your property to a black or brown family, preferably a family from generational poverty. Um, I don't think there are any racist a-holes in my family, but it's interesting you use that term. Your entire presentation appears to be based on race. Anyone seeing the contradictions here? The sixth demand white people rebudget your monthly so you can donate to black funds for land purchasing. Well, it's a noble cause to give, maybe tithe, to give a portion of your income to charity. I, I think that's uh, admirable, and you, you should do that. This is... Uh, This whole thing is disturbing. It goes on. It goes on, and and this woman insults uh, white men, white women, refers to some white people as sheetless Klan and Nazis. I'm sorry. This is why we're not getting anywhere, because we're having conversations like this. We should fight white supremacy. That's the the tenth demand from this woman. Fighting white supremacy where and how you can. That's fine. I agree. White supremacy should not be tolerated on any level. But the redistribution of wealth is not going to solve the problem. The redistribution of intelligence will. If we can impart intelligence on those who are racist and believe in white supremacy and think they are Nazis, then and only then will we change things. Other than that, you're just, you're just giving a hand out and not a hand up and not working to solve the problem. We need to work to solve the problem. I'm not going to hoot and holler about this, but the Ten demands from the Black Lives Matter leader of Louisville, Kentucky, as reported on the Daily Wire. They're more racist than any racist I've ever met. And that's where I think the problem is stuck. And we need to work to change that. Michael Pelka stepping aside. When we get back, we'll wrap up today's show, see if there's any other breaking news out of Texas. Uh, Any other news we haven't gotten to today? I'm sure there's plenty of stuff we've missed, but we'll get to it before we get out of here and turn over the reins to Jeff Fisher next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah, before we get out of here, last night Casey Stiegel of Fox was on the beach waiting for the hurricane to come in reporting, and this happened. We long ago that the window is, uh, is closing for people to evacuate because as you can see, with conditions like this already, if you're stuck in, in a traffic jam trying to get out of town, that, that could be problematic with such uh, difficulty with visibility and, and all the rest. Here's a... As he's doing his standard report telling people to get out of town before the window closes, a woman in the rain runs up and she's carrying a six-pack. Rest. Here's a. You got some Galveston beer. Well, thank you. That will be uh, nice for after uh, we are done covering this. But uh, there you go. So just friendly people. Well handled, Casey. Well handled. The woman in the pouring rain ran up to the live Fox News reporter and handed him a six-pack of Galveston beer. There will be ample, ample clips of reporters doing dumb things and getting caught in the middle of storms for the next day. And they'll be entertaining to watch. But at the core of this, people who are going to be out of electricity and out of their comfort zones, possibly for days and weeks to come. So let's, let's all think about them today when we're spending some time in thought and prayer. And let's also think about preparing. Do you have emergency supplies? Do you have a plan? Do you have even a small stash of cash in case, God forbid, the ATMs went down for a day? This is all important stuff, and you're not going to be able to do it all in one day, but start today. Start today. Prepare today. And so that if something does happen, remember, it's not a matter of if. It's more or less a matter of when. You'll be ready, and at least you'll be able to help others and won't be looking for help yourself. And that's a great spot to be in. Thanks to Dana Steele for checking in. Thanks to everybody else who checked in via Twitter and or via the phones. The one, the only, Jeff Fisher is waiting in the wings to take you through a live Saturday. I'll be back at noon, noon Monday. Be here, my friends. Testudo. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.